Matthew chapter 2, and let's go and stand together in reverence to the Word of God. We're going to read the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 2. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not uh, return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray. Father, I want to come to you this morning, and Lord, I, I ask you for your help. Father, this time of year is is so busy, it's it's hectic. Uh, Lord, I, I know that, that we as Christians, uh, Father, try mightily in many cases to keep the focus proper, but Father, it's hard. And Lord, I pray that, that in the midst of the, the busyness of the world, that Father, our hearts would be still and would be calm. And Father, we'd recognize the simple fact that, Lord, you gave your only begotten Son, you gave the the Christ child, Lord, the, the, the word that, that was with you before the worlds began. I, I praise you for that, and I thank you for that. Father, I thank you that you saw fit to make the way of salvation available to us. And Lord, without that, we'd have no hope. There, there'd be absolutely nothing to look forward to at any point in life, Lord. And I thank you that you've given us so much more than that. And Father, I pray that today our hearts would be just would just be touched by your Holy Spirit. And Father, we'd lift our hearts and we'd rejoice in what you've done. And Father, I pray that we'd lift up Christ in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Matthew, in chapter number 2, verses 1 through 12, of course, is the visit of the wise men. And uh, it's... It's a beautiful story, of course, the birth of Christ. And, and uh, folks, I, I do want to say this. I believe while we should focus on Christ this time of year, be very careful that you don't focus just on the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ, though miraculous and, 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 and the only one like it, um, that's, that's not the story. All right, the story, and again, don't misunderstand the importance of the virgin birth, but the story is, is the sacrificial offering of Jesus Christ. 
and, and the humility that he had to take upon himself when he took upon him the form of a man. The beginning of the book of John, and in the last several months, and I'll be very honest with you, I've be, almost become infatuated with, with the gospel of John and the first epistle of John. And Lord willing, I'm going to be preaching a message out of there next Sunday. And I'll tell you this, you don't want to miss it. Amen. But uh, uh, it, it just, I've become infatuated because so many times, and, and I look at our culture today, and, and we're, we, we get caught up, you know, well, you make sure you say marriage. Merry Christmas, and, and make sure you have the manger in the in in in, in the in the Christmas scene, you know, and uh, you know we got to make sure the, the the manger is next to Santa Claus, and and, and please don't misunderstand. I'm not against those things, and we need to keep Christ in 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 Christmas. But but folks, I got to tell you, we need to keep Jesus Christ in Christmas. And I think sometimes we have people who don't even claim the name of Christ, do not believe in Him as their Savior. They're they're making a ruckus about about the manger scene. I, that's foolishness. All right. I mean, if you don't take what the Bible says about the Son of God literally, and you do not believe that, you are making the big. You're missing the entire point. All right, I mean, to, to say that, oh, you know, 2,000 years ago, God sent a baby. No, he did a whole lot more than that. 2,000 years ago, God sent redemption to mankind. And I pray that we understand that. And I pray we don't get distracted from that in the busyness. And, and I, I really believe a few of us will take some time on Christmas Day and we'll read Matthew 1 or Luke chapter 2 and read the story of the birth of Christ. But again, don't stop there. Please understand, when God sent his son... The heavens rejoiced, all right? The angels sang, the shepherds bowed down, and the wise men worshipped. Why? Because redemption had come to mankind. And please, I would just beg you to understand how important Christ is to us all year. And I think sometimes we just, well, Christ is the reason for the season. No, brother, Christ is the reason for living. And please grasp that. If he's just a part of one time of year, you, 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 you've just done missed the whole thing. All right? And I would just challenge you in that manner. But I want us to look at verse number 11 this morning. I'll be using this as a text and springboarding off into, a, a I guess what you'd call a simple a Christmas sermon. The Bible says, and when they, that's, that's the, the magi, were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Christmas is a time of giving. The Bible says that these men presented unto him gifts. Christmas is a time of giving. And I want to give you three different thoughts on that this morning, and I'll do my best to get you out on time. Number one this morning, Christmas is a time of giving up. Christmas is a time of giving up. It's a time to give up those sins and those bad habits and those selfish pleasures that we have. It's a time to let go of those things that are hurting our relationships with God. I could think of no better time that we as a Christian celebrate Christmas to, to give up things to the Lord. You know, we have our New Year's resolutions and we make these promises. But folks, i got to tell you, there's nothing you could do better this year as a Christian than to give up some of those things that have been keeping your relationship from God the way it ought to be. It's time to give up those things that are destroying our relationships with one another. It's time to give up those things that are moving God's hand and God's presence away from us. It's time to give up our envy and our jealousy. And boy, doesn't that rear its head this time of year? It's time to give up our bitterness. It's time to give up 
that guilt that you've been holding on to. It's time to give up those grudges that you've, you've had for, for, for days, months, or, or even years or decades. And i got to tell you, sometimes with grudges, it's, it's kind of funny how they work. We, we hold on to a grudge because the other person is holding on to the grudge. And can I tell you, just give it up, all right? Just give up that grudge you're holding. You say, well, they won't give up the grudge against me. Who cares, all right? God isn't concerned with you about how they're behaving. God is concerned with you about what you're doing with you. And that's fairly profound, but folks, so many times in our lives, we have learned to play the blame game, and we've learned how to pass our problems on other people. And i got to tell you, this time of year, it's time to give that up. It's time to let go of those things. You say, well, Pastor, you know, I have a reason for the way that I am. Don't we all? I mean, I, I can tell you the reason I'm loud-mouthed is because of the reason I have this issue is because of the reason I'm selfish is because of the reason I'm jealous is because... And I can give you names for all of those people, those situations. I mean, I can blame my problems on everybody else, but really, I'll be very honest with you, it's time that I just give those things up. It's time to give up those hurt feelings and move on with life. Too many of us, too many times, have held on. Christmas is a time for giving up. Secondly, Christmas is a time for giving in. Christmas is a time for giving in. How long will you wait, Christian? before giving your life to Him? How long will you hold God out? The verse that came to mind as I was looking at this and thinking about it is Revelations in chapter 3 and verse 20. Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea, a very godless church, a very wicked church, a a church that had grown very self-sufficient and had no need of God's presence or God's power in their midst. And how sad, and I really believe that's where mainstream religion has moved today. We've got our buildings, we've got our padded seats, we've got our heated auditoriums and our cooled auditoriums in the summer, and we got things nice, and we've got a, a paved parking lot, and we've got a, a, a fellowship hall, and we've got all these things that really make it quite easy to do so many things with one another. And we've grown to a point as, as a church family many times and religion as a whole to where we really don't need God's presence anymore. We've got our own. We've got our own abilities. We've got our own accomplishments. And we gain a sense of satisfaction. And that's really where we find the church at Laodicea. It's a church that in in the mind of the world had arrived. It's a church that was known for its wealth. It's a church that was known for its splendor. But it's a church that God looked at and said, you're nothing. He said, you're lukewarm. I'll spew you out of my mouth. And, and the verse in Revelation in chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus is speaking to this church, and after he was, has told them how needful they are, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. And I wonder this time of year, Christian, is it a time to give in? You say, no, my, I, 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 I'm a Christian. I, I come to church. I, I, on occasion, open my Bible and read a few words or a few pages. I pray when I'm in trouble, and every once in a while I remember to pray over dinner. And I, I do a few things, but I'm asking you this morning, is it a time to give in? Is it time to surrender to Christ? His call today is the same as it was when he walked upon this earth. Follow me. Follow me. You see, the the call of Christ was not just come to church on Sunday or open your Bible. It was follow me. And his disciples, they understood what that meant. 
to follow Christ was to leave the things that they had learned to depend on in their life. James and John and Peter and Andrew left the fishing industry. You see, they had grown up, so to speak, in that industry. James and John, their father, was a fisherman by trade, and they were going to take over and become James and John Incorporated fishers, man. I mean, they were going to make money. They were going to make their wealth in that industry. But Jesus walked by one day, and he said, Boys, follow me. And those grown men turned and said, Yes, Christ. We will follow you. And they left their boats. The Bible says immediately they left their fishing nets. They left their old lifestyle, so to speak. And they said, we will follow you. We don't know all that it entails. We don't know everything that's ahead of us. But we will follow you. And I look today and I wonder, has Christianity forgotten the simple call of Christ to his Christians? Follow me. Follow me. Well, I'll, I'll choose my own style of Christianity. I'll take what I want out of the Bible and follow that, but I don't want to follow Christ. See, folks, Jesus led those men through some very hairy circumstances. I want you to understand that long before Jesus was ever crucified, those disciples that followed Christ had to deal with a little bit of persecution. You do understand they were there when Jesus was threatened to be stoned. You do understand that Jesus' life was threatened in front of him. In fact, when it came time to head back towards Bethany and Jerusalem, Doubting Thomas, as we refer to him, said, Guys, we might as well go with him, and if we die, we die. They followed him through thick and thin. And I wonder today if Christianity as a whole has forgotten that it's a time to give in. Folks, my desires are supposed to become subservient to his will. My wishes are become secondary to his purpose for my life. You say, what what do you, too many times we ask young people what they want to be, and I'm not against that, but folks, i got to tell you, the important question to teach young people is what does the Lord want you to be? What does God want you to do with your life? Because that's what's truly important. You could be the president of the United States, and if that's not what God wanted for you, you'd be a failure. Do Do you understand that? I mean, we, we, too many times in our life, we've said, well, if I can achieve this or achieve that, if I can achieve my dreams and my goals, then I'll be something. It's a time to give in. I remember being an 18-year-old and getting ready to go off to college, and I was excited because I had big hopes and big ambitions and big dreams for my life. I won't lie, I did. I was going to be wealthy. I was going to be well taken care of. I was going to have a big house. I was ambitious. I, I, I knew what I wanted to do, and I had a plan to accomplish it, and I could have in the flesh. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If I would have pursued those human dreams of mine, and I had accomplished that wealth, and I had gained a little bit of notoriety, at the end of that road, that's all that I would have had. But by the grace of God, one day God got a hold of my heart, and I gave in. It was a time to give in. And my friend, in your life today, I wonder, Christian, is it a time to give in? You say, well, well, I'm doing the best that I can. God doesn't want you to do the best that you can. God wants you to do what he has for you and allow him to rule in your life. Too many times we've allowed our fleshly desires and our fleshly lusts to guide us. We've We've allowed our God to be our appetites or our desires. And people today, and if you can't see that, in 2012 America, I don't know what you're looking at. 
I mean, people, we are driven by our base desires anymore. I mean, the stuff that is on television, the stuff that is in the news, the things that are happening around our world. As, as, as a young man walks into a school with, 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 a, with, a, with, a, with a gun and, and, and kills innocent children, a man that was just driven by base desire, he was angry at the world. And I look at that, and I, I just want to scream out, folks, where is, where is our respect of God? Why don't we learn as a country to give in? Because we've really pushed him out. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But let me bring it down to a personal level. You say, boy, I wish our country would get right with God. Have you given in? Have you given in? See, we talk about how terrible things are. You can't even turn on the television anymore. You can't even do this anymore. You can't. But have you given in? I mean, have, have you followed the simple command? To follow me. Oh, I, I, I'm busy. I got my own life to live. Follow me. But, but I, I got I to gotta go take care of some business, Jesus. Follow me. Jesus, I got to go bury some dead. Jesus said, follow me. But Jesus, you don't understand. I'm somebody. Follow me. Jesus said, if you can't leave it, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And this morning, I wonder, Christian, is it a time for giving in? Our questions or accusations haven't changed as far as humanity is concerned. We look up and say, God, can you do this before I... Oh, I have to take care of this first. But uh, Lord, I'll follow you when. And I wonder how many today are sitting here who have yet to give in. You see, we've We've almost accused God, in a sense, of not being able to care for us. God, I'll serve you when I get my life straight. Young people, you say, I'll serve you when I become an adult. And adults, we say, I'll serve you when I become middle-aged. And middle-aged, you say, I'll serve God, and I'll give Him some things when I get old. And when we get old, we'll say, I wish I had. The command is today to follow me. Jesus in Matthew 6, he said, I take care of the lilies of the field. I take care of the grass of the field. He said, I take care of the, the sparrows and the birds in the sky. Don't you think I can take care of you? Jesus said, follow me. And Christian today, I wonder, you say, I'm a born-again Christian. I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Praise God, have you followed him? You see, Christmas is a time for giving in. And just so you understand, I'm not speaking about an area of your life today, but of your life. Too many of us have held on to certain parts of our life when he is to have all. In Revelation, we're told that we will say he is worthy. We will fall down and worship him and say he is worthy. And my friend this morning, I want you to know something in your life. He is worthy. You say, but, 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 but I'm going to be, so he is worthy. But I, I, I couldn't give that he is worthy. There is nothing in your life that you hold on to that he is not worthy to receive. There is not one thing. And I know we all have, the, don't we? We all have those little pockets in our lives that, that are ours. Those are my personal areas. God, you're not allowed. But today, it's a time for giving in. It's a time to give in. You say, but, but, but uh, uh, I'm fine. I, I can still be a Christian, and, and that's the problem. We are missing the point. 
It's a time to give in. It's a time for us to say, I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. And my friend, today I wonder, for you in your life, is it a time to give in? Thirdly, this morning, Christmas is a time for giving out. It almost seems that we've reduced Christmas giving to Christmas swapping. A gift, by definition, is something that is voluntarily transferred by one person to another without compensation or the hope thereof. Let me say that again. A gift, by definition, is something that is voluntarily transferred by one person to another without compensation or hope of it. For lack of a better term, it's you taking out your wallet, and it's you opening it, and it's you finding the biggest bill that you have in it. For me, it's a $10 bill. And it's me walking up to someone, not that I necessarily love, but someone that God has laid on my heart. And all you guys are like saying, God, lay him on my heart. Lay me on his heart right now. But it's me walking up to someone and saying, here, Mike Reed, here's $10. Mike says, why? And I say, it's a gift. And Mike, for Pete's sake, would you take it? I expect that back. I'm kidding you, that's not a gift. If I do that, that's not a gift. Take your wife out to McDonald's, get her a cheap value meal, and you can get the big one. <laughs> but see, by definition, that is a gift. A gift is when we walk up to someone, whether it's someone we love or someone we don't love, and say, God has laid it on my heart to give this to you willingly without hope of compensation. And really, let's face it, this Christmas season, how many of us right now are panicking because we have to run out and get something for someone because they are getting something for us. And we say, well, and, and isn't it the truth? We almost kind of try to find out what we're getting so it can be equivalent. Right? Oh, they're spending $40 on me. I have to spend at least $35 on them. You know, I'm cheap, so I'm going to try to drop it down a little bit. But, I mean, you understand. Or it's the other thing. Well, I'll spend more on them so they feel badly. <laughs> How is that a gift? We've lost the definition of it. This time of year, it's supposed to be about giving out, saying, hey, God has given me, and I just want to give out. I don't, it doesn't have to be about who you are. I just want to give. You see, this Christmas, give out. You find someone that God lays upon your heart and give. And you say, God hasn't laid anyone on my heart. Then talk to me after the service. I'll lay some people on your heart. Too many of us are trying to find things to give to others simply because they're giving to us. And I'm not saying that's a wrong thing, but it's completely missing the point. You see, a gift is supposed to come from the heart, not necessarily from the wallet. A real gift is not compensation or competition. You see, the gift of all gifts was given not in a manger, but on an old rugged cross. See, Romans in chapter 6 and verse 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'll say this, that gift can never be repaid. It can never be compared to. It's a gift that was given from the heart of God. In John in chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God said, I love mankind, and I do not desire to see them condemned, and so I will give them redemption. 
And it was from the heart of God. And it was to a hopeless and a helpless humanity. God willingly gave man the chance to be born again. (laughs) The sad thing is, is we've even twisted that. See, God gave man the chance to be born again. And in many cases, we've said, well, if he would only work for it. You can't work for that. It was a gift. Oh, if I give God a gift in return, then I'll... No, you won't. No. No, God's gift to mankind was given. And all that God asks mankind to do is receive it. See, Mike Reed was not aware that I was going to do that. Mike did nothing to work for that. Mike did nothing nice to me, really, this morning, outside of shake my hand and say good morning. Mike didn't go out of his way to obtain that but I offered it willingly to Mike, and Mike received it. And God gave his son, and God offered salvation to us through Christ. And he says, all you need to do is come to a place where you realize you're helpless and you're hopeless and you're condemned and accept the gift that I gave you. And my friend, this morning, if you sit there, And you've never taken the gift that God gave out. I pray that you'd make today that day. On that day, God the Father gave out to the world salvation through God the Son. And the question of the ages is, will you receive Him? Will you receive Him? Turn that phone off for me. Now, folks, listen to me. Don't worry. That, it's just a ringtone. You can get it after church. I'm asking you a real serious question. See, this is what bothers me. We have forgotten how simple salvation is. It was a gift. That's all it was. God did not offer it to us because we deserved it. Do you understand that? God did not offer it to us so that we could compensate him back for it. God offered it to us because he loves us. And I pray that this time of year that we'd realize Christmas is about giving out. Giving out. Um, Please, get, get, get gifts for your family. Get gifts for your children. Get gifts for mom and dad. Get gifts for aunts and uncles. But would you please understand that's, that's really not a gift in the sense that God gave. A gift is when we say, hey, here, I don't expect anything in return. In fact, if you gave me something, I don't even want it. It's not, it's not, what that, it's not why I gave it to you, Mike. I gave it to you because I love you. In fact, I gave it to you because God loves me. And this morning, I pray that we'd understand and grasp that, hey, Christmas, it's a time for giving up. It's time to give up some of that nonsense, some of those, those false beliefs, some of those, some of those crazy, selfish things we've allowed into our life. Christmas is a time for giving in. Christian, Jesus said, follow me. Give in. And thirdly, Christmas is a time for giving out. I just pray that we understand that. And if you're here this morning without the Savior, Would you accept Christ's gift?
today. And Christian, why don't we start living the way God has asked us to? Let's go and stand to our feet. Christian friend, if you're in here and you listen today, I do believe there's some things that we need to give up in our lives, and I think there's some places that we need to give in to the Lord on. We've played our games, and I, I understand that. I'm, I'm as human as the next guy, and I know, how, I know how we play with God. And we say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. The Bible doesn't... Just let's give in. And then, Christian, let's learn to give out. Freely we have received... Freely give. My friend, if you're here without Christ, God offers to him, to you today. The price is paid. It's taken care of. God's got a spot reserved for you in heaven. But you must receive Christ. That's God's gift. You say, oh, I'd feel foolish. I think Mike would have been the foolish one if he didn't take the 10 bucks. <laughs> God offers a gift. And he says, I gave it to you because you were without hope. You had no help. And I love you. Take salvation. And friend, if you're here this morning without a savior, if you're here today and you don't understand everything about that or you're confused about it and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, man, don't leave today. Don't go through another Christmas without knowing for sure you're a child of God, an heir to the throne. And Christians, let's give up on some things. Let's give in to Christ and let's learn to give out to those around us. As the instruments begin to play, if God's laid something in your heart, you come to the altar.
Well, folks, let me challenge you, and I have for years now. Please take the time this Christmas season to get someone that God lays on your heart, young, old, rich, poor, friend or enemy, and you spend a little money on them, put a little time and effort into it, and you give them something. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be something that God's laid on your heart. And I'd really encourage you to do that. Because when you do something like that and you surprise someone with it, you've given a gift. Not with compensation in mind. And I really believe, especially families with children, and I know money gets tight this time of year, but teach them what Christ was. He was the greatest gift. He was the unspeakable gift that was given to mankind. Let's rear a generation of young people who don't think it's about Black Friday and Black Tuesday and Cyber Monday and but about the gift that was Jesus Christ. And let me say this, it's the gift that still is Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead today and be dismissed with a word of